I'm going to be reading all these verses, Luke 24, 1 through 12, for context, but I'll primarily focus the sermon this morning on verse 12. And just to get this out of the way up front, for those who attend the chapel and like to take notes, uh, if you want to write down our outline first, we're going to consider the lies of yesterday, the lies of yesterday. And second, we'll consider the truth for today and tomorrow, the truth for today and tomorrow. So first, the lie or lies of yesterday, and second, the truth for today and tomorrow. Let's turn our attention now to the reading and the hearing of God's holy, inspired, and inerrant word from Luke chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. But on the first day of the week at early dawn, the women rose and went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, why do you seek the living among the dead. He is not here, but he has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the son of man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words and returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the 11 disciples and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary, the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to the apostles an idle tale and they did not believe them. But Peter rose and he ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in, he saw the linen cloths by themselves and he went home marveling at what had happened. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God remains forever. Let's pray. Oh God, thank you for your word. Thank you for preserving it for us that we might have it this day. And we ask, oh God, that by the power of your Holy Spirit, you would attend to the preaching of your word. Lord, that you would comfort us, encourage us, Lord, strengthen our joy. Oh God, even convict and rebuke us for our lack of faith. But Father, by your spirit, grant us faith. Help us, oh God, strengthen us and encourage us. Make us more like Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that you would help me, your servant, protect me from error. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing and acceptable unto you, O God. You are our rock and our redeemer. We ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen, indeed. Michael Faraday was a famous scientist who lived in the early 19th century, so the early 1800s. While he is known for many things, his life is best characterized by his unwavering faith in Jesus Christ. 
A good illustration of this faith comes from an accident that occurred in his laboratory one day. You see, he had a young apprentice and the young apprentice was working away and he accidentally knocked this prize small silver cup that belonged to Faraday. He knocked it into a small vat of highly concentrated acid. He looked on in horror as the cup dissolved right before his very eyes. Upon fetching Faraday and explaining to him what had happened, Faraday smiled at him reassuringly. He fetched a certain chemical and he poured it into the vat. Almost immediately, flecks of silver began to precipitate at the bottom. And before long, they were able to drain off the acid and pull out a shapeless lump of silver. Faraday then invited the still apologetic and quite sorrowful apprentice to join him for a trip to the local metalsmith or silversmith. There they watched as the silversmith uh, took that silver and he worked it back by melting it, of course, and forging it back into the original shape it once had. And then they watched as he took it and polished it so that it looked even better than it had looked before. It was at this moment when Faraday turned to the apprentice and said these words, listen to what he said. If we mere men are able to take this silver cup, break it down and restore it to an even greater brilliance than it had before, just imagine what the Lord Jesus Christ the creator and sustainer of all things. Imagine what Jesus Christ can do for you. Imagine what Jesus Christ can do for you. Today, Easter Sunday, we've gathered together to marvel. We've gathered together to celebrate all that the Lord Jesus Christ, the creator and sustainer of the universe, We've gathered to marvel and celebrate all the things that he has done, all the things he can do, and all the things he will do for us as a result of his triumphant resurrection from the dead. For with just one breath, that very first Easter Sunday, with just one breath, he put death to death. And by God's mercy, any who believe in him by faith are made alive together with him and we're guaranteed eternal life with him in heaven. For many of us here this morning in this crowded room, this is a message that is most familiar to us and much celebrated by us. Perhaps for some of us, though the message is familiar, we've heard it many times, perhaps the message has not yet been fully embraced. But one thing, one thing that is common to all of us, no matter if we've embraced the message or not, what is common to each and every one of us in this room, myself included, is that this message is deeply needed by all of us. Not one person in this room is without the need for the message 
of Easter, not one of us. And if ever there was a person to illustrate this for us, if ever there was a person in need of the message of Easter, I think a person that all of us can relate to on one level, it is a man named Simon Peter, the man mentioned right there in your text in verse 12. We relate to Peter so well because he, like us, like me, are prone to believe the lies of yesterday. We're prone to believe the lies of yesterday. We're going through the book of Luke at the chapel. I obviously skipped ahead quite a bit, but last week at the chapel, if you were there, we encountered Peter in Luke chapter five when he was just another fisherman. One fateful morning, you might remember, he was joined in his boat by this carpenter turned teacher, this man, Jesus from Nazareth having toiled all night to do what Peter does, to catch fish. Remember what happened? All night long he had fished, but he and his partners came up empty. Yet Jesus, borrowing his boat to speak to the crowds from the water, Jesus insisted that Peter again put the empty net down into the water. So with a simple faith, Peter did. And what came out? a net so full that the nets were about to break. Net so full that the boats they poured all the fish into began to sink. When Peter saw this, perhaps you remember what happened next. He got down on his knees. He looked at the Lord Jesus and he said, depart from me for I am a sinful man. Oh Lord, get away. How can I be in the presence of a holy God? Remember what Jesus did? Jesus didn't go away, did he? He didn't. He didn't depart from him. Rather, Jesus welcomed him. Jesus called Simon Peter. He commissioned Simon Peter and he called him to leave behind all those fish, leave it behind and become a fisher of men. So what did Peter do? It's exactly what he did, right? He left everything behind and he followed Jesus. And what he encountered over the next several years was truly miraculous. Those things documented for us, beginning in the rest of chapter five through chapter 22. But beginning that day, Peter witnessed Jesus heal the sick. He witnessed Jesus raise the dead. He witnessed Jesus cast out demons. He witnessed him walk on the water, calm storms. He was there when Jesus fed the thousands. And he was there when Jesus taught the word of God with authority that no one had ever seen before. Peter had a front row seat. He had seen all these things with his own eyes. And he had even participated in some of them as well. In fact, you might remember that it was Peter who said the wrong thing so often. He often said the wrong thing. But you might remember that one time that he said just the right thing at just the right time. Jesus said, are you gonna leave me also? And Peter says, to where will we go? For you have the words of eternal life. It was also Peter who said, when Jesus asked, who do you say that I am? Peter said, you are the Christ, 
the Messiah, the son of the living God. So the words that fell from Jesus's lips following the tender moments of their last supper, those events that happened just before we get to chapter 24, those words that came out of Jesus's mouth must have felt heavy on Peter's mind and heart. For Jesus had told the disciples that night at the supper, you will all fall away. For it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Peter couldn't believe it. Peter protested. He says, even though they all fall away, I will not fall away, Jesus. I will not. And then Jesus picked it up and dropped the sledgehammer right on his heart. It's recorded in Matthew. He says, truly, I tell you, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You can almost picture it in your head if you just think about it. You can almost picture the disbelief that would have been on Peter's face. And this is how he replied. If I must die with you, I will not deny you. If I have to die for you, Jesus, I won't deny you. I wasn't raised on a farm, but I know that roosters like the crow in the morning. And look what happened before that good Friday morning. Peter had indeed denied Jesus. Jesus had been arrested in the garden, was now before the council and would soon be tried and led away to be crucified and being asked three different times if, if Peter had indeed known Jesus. What did he do? He said, no. Luke records the sorrowful moment for us just as that rooster made its noise in his gospel. You can turn back and look if you want, chapter 22, verses 61 and 62. This is how Luke records it. And Jesus turned and looked at Peter and Peter remembered. Peter remembered what Jesus had told him that night. And he went away and he wept bitterly. Modern translations, or maybe the Pastor Dan translation would say, Peter cried an ugly cry. Peter cried an ugly cry. So yes, we can only imagine what was going through his mind early that first Easter morning as he pondered the death of his friend and of his master. And he weighed that against his own sin and his own failures. Surely his eyes were just as raw as his emotions. And surely the enemy had whispered lies into his ear all night long. Lies that he may have even begun to believe. Can you just hear the enemy saying, Peter, you're a failure. Peter, you're a horrible, sinful person. Peter, I can't believe you would do such a thing. Peter, you are worthless. Peter, there's no hope for you. And it is here at this point that we might keenly identify with Peter. I know that when I look back, and I might just be back to early this morning, but when I look back at my own sins and my own failures, I certainly remember finding myself hearing 
those same lies, telling myself those same lies, and even believing those same lies. How about you? How about you? Have you ever suffered under the weight of your own sin and your own failure? So much so that perhaps you thought, maybe you even believed that you could never be restored. Perhaps you've led yourself to believe that you can never be accepted or that you can never be forgiven for what you had done. Perhaps you came here this morning and that is exactly how you feel right now. Perhaps that wasn't a long time ago you heard those voices. Perhaps you hear it even now. Let me tell you this, it's a lie. It is a lie. The lie of yesterday tells you that there is no hope for you. The lie of yesterday tells you that you can never become more than the sum of your past sin and failure. That, my friends, is a lie. It is a lie. For oh, what a difference a day makes. Look at Peter now in our passage in Luke 24. We just read it earlier. Dallas explained it to the children and to us as well. The, the women had risen early to go to the tomb and to tend to Jesus's body. But on their arrival, they find that that stone had been rolled away. So they go in and, and find that Jesus is not there and they're stunned. They stand stunned. And two, it says men in bright array. This is another term for angels, right? Two angels in the appearance of men uh, stood there before them and they announced that Jesus had actually done exactly what he said he would do. There's a little bit of rebuke there, right? Didn't he say that he would be handed over to sinful men and he would be crucified? And on the third day, he would rise. And <laughs> it says they remembered. Praise God. They remembered. So they go and they tell the apostles what they had witnessed. Did you catch the apostles' reaction in verse 11? They thought these words were just an idle tale. They didn't believe them. Oh, that's just women speak. You're not credible witnesses to that. We don't believe you. Why would we believe you? You're lying. I mean, in a way you can't really blame them, can you? I mean, maybe the apostles as well had forgot that Jesus said this would happen. Maybe they were so sullen in their emotions that they couldn't even believe that had happened. Either way, they just didn't believe the women. But what if they were right? What if they were right? What if it was true? Wouldn't you want to know? Don't you want to know? Peter wanted to know. Peter wanted to know, look at it again at verse 12. What does he do? He rose and he ran to the tomb. He ran to the tomb. He didn't take his time. 
he ran to the tomb. Peter got there and he beheld an empty tomb. And look what it says he did. He marveled, not in disbelief. He marveled in wonder at what had happened. And listen, I made the point earlier that we can certainly identify with Peter in his sorrow of yesterday, but it's actually right here. It's right here where we need to identify with Peter the most. For Peter teaches each and every one of us what I believe is a very profound and life-giving truth. And that truth is this. Those who need Jesus the most are the ones who do not hesitate to run and marvel at what he's done. Those who know just how much they need Jesus are the first to run and see and behold what Jesus has done. You see, the truth for today and tomorrow is that there is hope. There is hope for you and for me. We might've failed yesterday, but our failures can certainly be redeemed. Yes, it's true. We are sinful today. We confessed our sins together earlier. We are sinful today. And yes, we did actually commit sin yesterday. And yes, we will continue to sin today and we will commit sins tomorrow. But as 1 John 1, 9 tells us that if we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of those sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You see, this is the truth for today and for tomorrow because Jesus has conquered sin and death by rising from the grave. There is not one corner of our past sin, one corner of our past failure that Jesus cannot and will not conquer with his own resurrection power. It's true for the past, it's true for today, and it's true for tomorrow and every other tomorrow that God gives you while you're on this earth. That's what Peter is coming to realize. Peter's a broken vessel. Peter is broken. And Peter, the broken vessel, learned what each of us must come to know as well. You want light to get in? The vessel has to be broken. The cracks let the light in and that's what's happening. The light is rushing in. And so Peter, this broken vessel with light starting to come out of it, runs to the tomb and he, he stoops down and he looks. And now the light is burst open. You can almost hear him marveling, maybe even returning, singing, perhaps singing words like we just sang earlier. Now the curse, it has been broken. Jesus paid the price for me. There is no more guilt to carry. It was finished upon the cross and it's finished because he is risen. Oh, what a difference a day made for Peter. Let me ask you this. Has this day made a difference for you? Has this day made a difference for you? I know how easy it is to doubt the difference the resurrection can make. I know how easy it is to believe the lies of yesterday while denying the hope for today and tomorrow. 
but it doesn't have to stay that way. In the words of Michael Faraday that I quoted before, imagine what Jesus can do for you. Maybe I should say it this way. Behold what Jesus has done for you. Because Jesus lives, because Jesus is risen, you don't have to be defined by your past sin and your past failure. Because he is risen, because Jesus lives, there is freedom from your guilt, true freedom. The Bible tells us that there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because Jesus lives, you don't have to be defined And you certainly don't have to think that your sins are not forgiven. You have true and lasting forgiveness. You don't have to be defined by your sin because Jesus lives. There's hope for the relationships that you've broken. There's hope in your sufferings. There's hope in your loneliness. There's hope in your failed marriage. There's hope for your rebellious children. There's freedom from your addictions. There's assurance for every fear. There is, there is peace in facing death and there is certainty for your eternity. Because Jesus lives, you can run to him. You can marvel at all that he has done. You can rejoice in his resurrection power and you can stand up to your yesterday. Because of his resurrection power, you can face whatever comes at you today. And because of his resurrection power, you can face whatever comes tomorrow or the next day or the next day or the day after that. So do you believe? Do you believe in the power of the resurrection? Do you believe that because Jesus has conquered sin and death that he can also conquer your sin and your failures? If you've never before confessed that you believe in this truth, what are you waiting for? I invite you to do that very thing this day. The Bible tells us very clearly and very plainly that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Today is the day to do so. Like Peter, don't wait. Run to marvel at what Jesus has done. What he's done for you. Maybe you're like many of us here this morning. You've already believed this Easter truth. So let me encourage you. Don't ever stop running and marveling at what God has done. Celebrate it with every fiber of your being. Shout and sing for joy at the power of the resurrection. Guard your hearts and guard your minds from the lies of the evil one, which will, he will tell you that you are not as loved as you really are. The lies will tell you that you're not as forgiven as you totally are. And the lies will tell you that you're not as accepted as you fully are. They're lies. 
embrace Christ, believe the gospel each and every day. Live your life in the joy of the empty tomb. Your savior stands in victory. Sin's curse has lost its grip on you for you are his and he is yours. You've been bought with the precious blood of Christ. And because he is risen, you will be risen with him as well. Amen and amen. Thanks be to God.